Hi, everyone. A few weeks ago, we recorded an episode discussing Dragons of Fate, the newest Dragonlance novel. I posted the first half of the discussion already, but the second half got put on the back burner during the releases of Autumn Twilight and the Journals of Kaz the Minotaur, both now available on the DMs Guild, and of course the holiday season. Now, at long last, I present the second half of our Dragons of Fate discussion. But one more thing before we begin. I want to announce that I have a new adventure available on the DMs Guild called Lamordia, the God Engine. It's a first to second level Ravenloft urban mystery set in the steampunk slash body horror domain of Lamordia. So please check it out on the DMs Guild if you're interested. Now, on with the episode. Forgive me, Trampus. Uh-oh. I don't like gnomes. At all. I don't want any gnomes in any of my stories. This what? whole gnome thing going on, I was like, oh, I was like skimming over it to get to the end of the chapter. So that's my take on gnomes. I mean, I was I wasn't going to like it no matter what it was, because I just think gnomes are annoying and I don't like them. But I, you're one of them. <laughs> At least Dragonlance gnomes. I don't mind them in other settings. It's it's specifically Dragonlance gnomes. That I'm just like, oh, this is this, these guys. These are just a one. It's just a one. Uh, what is it, a one note joke? Is yeah, that one trick pony? This, one trick pony. One note. It's yeah. just always. It's always the same. And I'm just like, oh my god. I've been hearing no, that... the same. I've been hearing the same gnome jokes. Well, not for 40 years, but since I started reading Dragonlance, and I'm like, okay, enough, enough yeah, gnomes. That's a valid criticism. It <laughs> is. I mean, you could say the same thing about uh, gully dwarves and kinder. Is that I do say the same thing about gully dwarves. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like Kinder, right? They're all Tasselhoff. Well, in the novels, yeah, most of them are. Um, but it's the ones that are different that I like, you know. So it's... I don't he, was, know, the no- he was different because his name had a silent K instead of a silent G. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, the whole thing with the gnomes and trap springer, that... I didn't know what was going on. I was so confused by all that. I was like, wait a minute, Uncle Traps. How, How? I mean. Traps has always been a. Does Tass think. Uncle. Does know. Tass think he actually has an uncle named Trap Springer? Yeah. Kinder, Kinder. Every Kinder has an uncle named Trap Springer. And he's, you know. Does he think his working. uncle Trap Springer is thousands of years old? Well. I mean, it might be a great, 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 great <laughs> uncle. <laughs> 17 grade. Well, I guess. In, All right, maybe. Kinder, jumps around too. Just as just as <laughs> just as crazy as Tass. I mean, Tass went back to time, met a couple of gods, went to the you know the the abyss, you know, came back, <laughs> went back there again, you know, lots of different stuff. He's he's Uncle Tass now to everyone else. But to him, there is an uncle. Uncle Trapspringer, who's just like Uncle Tass to all the other Kinder out there. And for all we know, he might have been, you know, helping Huma and me just, and at the same time, he was, you know, back home in Kindermore, you know. He might have been a gnome professor as well, because apparently he was a professor at a gnome village. Well, (laughs) there is precedent for this. Um, And I'm I'm not as familiar on this as uh, Weldon and John are, but... um, uh, Bailiff. Bailiff was the first known Kinder hero, right? But mm-hmm. he's also an elf. And there's yep. been some speculation about some sort of transformation in there. And 
I don't know what. So that's a, that's a very interesting um, tale that spans several series. Uh, it, it starts with an elf named Vedvedsica. Um, it goes through the Barbarians trilogy. It goes through um, the Elven Exiles. It goes through the Forest King and the Elven Nations. Um, so uh, Vedvedsica is a very, very interesting character. And uh, Balin's fate is is tied up into his uh, the way Vedvedsica cursed him, um, or however you want to look at it. Cursed him um, to be a kender, or did he curse him to be a gnome? No, cursed him to be a kender. So uh, yeah. it's a little revealed in a book in the. Um, but then, why is Trap Springer? Why is Trap Springer a gnome in this book? Well, Trap Springer is still uh, he's still a kender. He's just, you know, as uh, thinks of it, time hopping as well as, you know, Tass is. And so he's just around. He's done all these different things. And in all the legends and stories of him, you know, he just happened, in theory, to be really, really close to this time helping this known village for whatever reason, you know, as a part of the story. And, um, you know, Tass just barely missed him. Like, he was just around the corner. <laughs> right. Right. I, I typically also um, dislike Dragonlance gnomes, but um, I, I thought the way that, you know, Tasselhoff was like, oh, the gnomes discover or create the Dragonlance. So that's what he went to go find. And then they have this giant tower contraption and uh, the Tasselhoff names, oh, this must be the Dragonlance. And they're like, oh, is it? Yeah, of course it is. Well, of course it is then. Like, I found that pretty funny. Um, I did enjoy. Did you? Um, was that supposed to be a joke? Because I wasn't sure. I was like, "Is this?" I, I'm, yeah. I, I didn't. I didn't know what was going on. I don't know if the gnomes finding the dragon lances was ever a thing before this book. It's not that I can recall. So I think that was just something that Tracy and Martin. I, I think it's new. Created for this story, yeah. um, but I, I enjoyed that bit. I, I did, and I typically also don't like gnomes, but. Um, I, I did find that that part kind of uh, entertaining. Uh, the part I read through it pretty fast myself, but in my second reading, as I was noticing what the gray gem was doing and what Tasselhoff is doing, um, it sounds weird, but Tasselhoff was basically correcting the timeline by going out there, meeting these gnomes, creating the dragonlance, and in the time loop filling his own legend about you know the dragonlance being discovered by you know uh the non-human i mean i guess i don't know i uh, i i get what you're saying but i read this whole sequence and i was like what is the point of all this why are we doing this like is this just supposed to be like kender messing with time or the gray gem messing with time and or that the time and the gray gem fighting each other to see who gets control of the timeline i was like i just honestly i, I feel like it was they just needed something for Tasselhoff to do because they brought him here. And yeah. Raceland is off doing Magius and Raceland things. Sturm is off doing Sturm and Huma things. And uh, I, I think they just kind of needed something to do with Tass and created this little side story um, with that. And Dustina <laughs> took up Needlepoint. <laughs> well, she, she speaking, sure did. speaking of inventions, such as gnomish contraptions, did anybody, well, I know one of you did, 
I'm going to guess the two of you did as well. Notice a rather unusual presence in this book. The presence of an artificer, question mark, dare I say? There is a scene when Justarius and Dalimar go to visit Alice Raniker. Um, and she basically uses magic channeled mm. through her craft to create a new device of time journey. Yeah. What is the so, deal with this? Is do okay, we like this? this? Is, do we not like this? Is this I mean yes. Go ahead, Trampus, go for it. <laughs> do I like it? Do I not like it? The answer is yes. Um <laughs> I thought you might. <laughs> so to give a little context, Raniker is this old old mage who was great at making um all sorts of magical inventions. Now with Alice she has magical talent. You know, she has no talent with standard uh, wizardly ways of casting magic. However, she is an artificer. And it's like, okay, she has her own way of doing things. This is great. Fantastic. But the idea that here she is, who is, I'm thinking in D&D terms of being very low level here. Right. Um, Fourth or fifth level. Level, I was thinking, and fourth or fifth level creating devices of time journey. No, yes, there that's <laughs> the crux of it, right? There is like, you know, I could see days. maybe her taking a year to get some basic understanding of it and then another two years to rebuild it, but you know, that was awfully quick. Yeah, I, yeah. I didn't mind her, I didn't mind Alice as a character. I thought the fact that you know, they brought in an artificer um was a cool idea but the fact that they you know they couldn't rely on her to even pass a test but they're going to rely on her to create this artifact that has the capabilities of potentially changing the world um and it only takes her a day and a half to do it um that yeah uh not a fan of that part of that story but she has a stunning personality. She sure does. <laughs> I, I, I love her personality. I love it. I think that this proves, I think the most important thing that came from this novel is to prove that artificers aren't considered renegades in Dragonlance. So if you want to play as an artificer in your Dragonlance game and your DM tells you, oh, you can't be an artificer because they have magic. And if they have magic, that means that they have to be a mage of high sorcery. You can just say no, Dalimar and Justarius didn't make her join the mages of high sorcery. So, Yeah, 100%. They are not expected to take the <laughs> tests. Um, and I think we can extrapolate. I think we can extrapolate to say that warlocks and sorcerers don't. Warlocks, sorcerers, bards, druids, none of them have to either. We, we could totally <laughs> do an episode on this. And I hope we do about... <laughs> Just kind of the changing face of uh, magic in Dragonlance, you know, especially with the changing face of magic in D&D. Mm. Well, speaking of, speaking of changing faces, sorry, did you want to say something else, Travis? Nope. I'm just, I'm just trying to put ideas in your head. Oh, I, I hear you. I think it's a good idea. Uh, but speaking of changing faces, let's talk about the changed face of the world of Kryn following the conclusion of this novel. So. Huma is killed. Magius dies differently. Well, I shouldn't say it. Magius dies more or less the way he's supposed to die, right? Like uh, a punk. <laughs> Huma, uh, Huma and his silver dragon, Gwyneth, they 
do not die as they're supposed to die. They are murdered by Tully, this kind of spy that works for Immolatus. What a name. Destroying the future, basically. There's now Huma to drive the Queen of Darkness back into the abyss. So when uh, Destina and Brother Karen return to the present, they find that they are living in a world where the Queen of Darkness won the Third Dragon War and is the unquestioned lord and master of all the world and has at some point made draconians. I thought of you when I saw the draconians. Well, then. <laughs> yeah. I was going, yeah. yeah, for some <laughs> reason. For some reason but, she made them. Well, it, it blows my mind. I'm going, like, in this world where she won, she was still able to capture dragon eggs and still convert them to draconians. Interesting. <laughs> like, huh. Very yeah, interesting. I, I would have assumed that the first thing that she would do is kill as many good dragons as she possibly could and have her chromatics um, help her in that. So yeah. the, the fact that there was any eggs to survive. Well, the, yeah, uh, my, my brain put it all together by saying, well, the first kind of known draconian experiment was pretty much in Kaz's time. He encountered uh, a mage who was basically working on something like that. So it's very easy to assume that if Texas uh, Takesis won early on, then she would have had some early access to that research and then applied it immediately to any eggs that she won um, that she'd able to capture and probably killed all the parents anyway. Just like killed the adults, stole the eggs, kept the eggs, converted the yep. eggs. Now, I can see that. So that means the Draconians in, in this future Dark Timeline, they could be a race that's been breeding for many, many years. And they're yeah, like, they could be well, well, well and truly right. established. Yeah, because yeah. the wouldn't have a reason to hide the females from them. They could have just been there from the beginning. And, yeah. Uh, Draconians could be a, a vast population at this point. So, I'm down for that. I'm down for that. You know, you have to ask, like, in this timeline, does the cataclysm never happened? Is there a Draconian mm. nation? You know, so many questions this raises, and I, I have evil thoughts about what's going to happen <laughs> with Destina in the next book. Wasn't Solace built built sort of like as a reaction to the cataclysm? Not that I think that's hugely important, Ooh. but I remember reading that somewhere. Well, like the people my, took to the uh, took to the they, trees they in the, the years. Yeah, yeah. Um, I guess it could have happened for another reason. It doesn't necessarily have to be the cataclysm, but that's interesting. That is sort of a that is sort of a question mark. I like seeing I like seeing Kitty R at the end. By the way, I'm just going to toss that out there. Well, given that yeah. this is a mirror universe, Kitty R might actually be the hero, and that's kind of what I, yeah. All the yeah, others yeah. could actually be, <laughs> so, and, and she's the only one who you know, out of friendship, was at the end of the last home waiting for the others. You know, for all we know, the others were ready to like continue. You know, the face of evil, and Raceland will have to deal with the fact that his his brother is the bad one. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's wearing black robes too, so um, he yeah. at this point has already fallen to evil. Well, he's got the black robes, but he's still the same person that he's been throughout the whole book. Is the way I understood yeah. it. Like, right? He, I, yeah, I think he that's popped, just he appeared. He appeared with the black robes already on him. Right, so the Raceland that that didn't time travel from the Third Dragon War, that Raceland that naturally existed in this world has already taken the Black Robes. Yes. Right. Um, so 
I, I, I find like time travel is already <laughs> tricky enough, but man, they, they just had some weird, weird, weird things with time travel in this one, like waiting thousands of years for time to catch up. Like I, I understand that they wanted to have a quote unquote present day view of what was going on with Dalimar, Justarius getting Alice, Ranaker and all that. I understand why they did it, but it, it did not make any sense to me that something that happened 3000 years ago, if it changed history, the present day would immediately, everything beyond that would immediately change, you know, that on along that fork of the river of time, it shouldn't take thousands of years to catch up to, to what is actually happening. I mean, who um, knows? Time travel is not real. So <laughs> you're comparing one fiction to another you fiction. know of. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I I like the Austin Powers 2 version interpretation of time travel, which is like, don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, well, hey, I've written three alternate timelines already uh, for Dragonlance. <laughs> My mind is just messed up as it is. So for uh, me, for me, the best thing. So when I read this, this end sequence, uh, I I didn't see it coming. I'm. It's just sort of a, a quirk of the, I guess the quirk of the way that I watch or read things. I don't think about what the end is going to be. So I didn't see it coming. And when it happened, I was like, my first thought was, it would be so much fun to run a War of the Lance campaign in this world. Like, or to run a... But who a, would be fighting? To run a Dragonlance campaign about, like, a group of heroes, a group of good guys, beleaguered heroes in this evil world, like, trying to overthrow the shackles of the Dark Queen. I was like, this would be such a cool setting for a Dragonlance yeah. adventure. Yeah, there's plenty of room for it. There's, uh, the heroes are definitely needed in this time. Yeah. If you look at the Legends of the Twins book, uh, there's a, uh, Timeline in there uh, called Dragon Lands, which basically is when the Dark Queen wins the um, War of the Lance. So you could actually take ideas from that and import it in this alternate timeline. Yeah, and I actually absolutely. ran a couple sessions in that uh, timeline, and it was super, super fun. Yeah. So thank you. <laughs> I'm gonna. I'm gonna I'm gonna think on this. I think I think I'm I, I may do this at some point in the future because I feel like this is a this this kind of scenario sparks my imagination. You know, gets do me you, thinking about. Mm-hmm. Do you want to hear my super possibly spoilery prediction for book three? Well, I was going to get to that. Yes. Well, I was going to talk about what we would like to see from book three. Not necessarily okay. what we think is going to happen in book three. Can you make a prediction without spoilers? I will preface this um, <clears throat> by saying that I have no knowledge of what's in book three. So if it happens, uh, coincidence. Um, okay. But then again, I've predicted things before that have happened. So anyway, so Come we on, see... Nostradamus, tell us. <laughs> <laughs> We see at the end of um, Dragons of Fate here, you know, some we see Raceland in, in uh, this alternate timeline. You know, we're we're kind of getting this gist that things have changed. But in book three, Destina is going to have to come to the forefront. The repercussions of her actions are going to come back 
and hit her and she's going to have to fix things and maybe make some hard choices. My prediction is that since the War of the Lance, as far as we know, has not happened yet, that her father will still be alive, which is what she wanted all along. But I've got this feeling that she's going to find him and he's just not going to be the man she remembers. And she's going to say, this ain't right, he's a corruption, and then try to fix right. things. I mean, because Salamnia as it is, um, I, I would assume is nothing left of Salamnia. Uh, the, the bastion of the Knights of Salamnia would be the first region of the world that Takesis would just utterly destroy. Um, I don't know, in my head. Yeah, maybe. But this has been, you know, thousands, thousands or hundreds, centuries upon centuries. So, I mean, it, it could have been rebuilt into a completely different form. Yeah, no, 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 100%. And uh, I think that um, if Trampus is correct, you know, maybe maybe her father is alive in this time and he is like a commander of Tachesis's armies or something. A, that knight, awesome. a knight of Tachesis. Yes. <laughs> oh, wouldn't it be neat to bring them back in that way? Oh, that would be fun. Nice. Knights of Tachesis and they're all draconians. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he just, um, made, uh, he just made Weldon's heart flutter. <laughs> Minotaurs. No, because in, in Dragons of Deceit, you never had any reference to them, as if they never existed. And I'm just very happy, like, yes, we are <laughs> annihilated in this timeline. You know, we aren't even completely annihilated at all. Yeah. So, so Weldon, John, what do you guys want to see for the next book? Well, I want to see more of the the change. I want to see more of the history between you know the time Huma died, Huma and Gwyneth died, and the thousands of years that have gone through. Like, what happened to the king priest? Is the king priest even exist? Was there even a cataclysm? You know, I mean, how did the draconians still exist? I mean, were they created? Are they a long lived uh, race that's been? very connected with the rest of the world i mean are we at a situation where you know yeah was happened now that taxes has been takis has been ruling for you know 1400 years you know what's what is going to happen now what were the nuances and changes between what we know in in the chronicles and how that's going to be slightly different in this mirror version <laughs> you know when we see it more of it i'm like yeah uh, John, what about you? Uh, I'm 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 along the same lines as Weldon. Um, like I'm I'm just very curious to know what the the history of the world is according to this divergence of the River of Time. Um, you know this this might have made a great book three, and exploring this new Dark Age could have set off a whole new trilogy. Um, of of learning the new history of what had happened um, is is like a reset for for Dragonlance, but I don't know. I just want to I just want to know because I I love the history of this world, so I want to know what has happened since Huma died. What yeah. has happened in this timeline? Um, you know, was there a cataclysm, and if so, why? Yeah. How? Um, because yeah. it wouldn't it. They'd have to come up with a, a very interesting idea for how and why it would happen because it doesn't make sense to, you know, what originally caused it, um, 
which was basically the the workings of Fist and Danilus orchestrating it. Um, is Fist and Danilus around still? Is is any of these uh, legendary characters that we know of? What are they doing in this time? Um, do Game they still Freeze, exist? Lord Soth. Yeah, have they Lord ever Soth. existed? Maybe have Lord Soth existed? is the hero. Maybe Lord Soth is the hero. <laughs> maybe maybe Lord well, Soth is the guy that started. You know, if there is a a quote unquote war of the lands or some sort of conflict going on right now, maybe Lord Soth was the catalyst of that of of being tired of being ruled by darkness. Maybe Lord Soth is the one that started this revolution or this rebellion to to get rid of the the evil empire i hope it's the gnomes i i hope that the <laughs> i hope the entire book is is gnomes versus the knights of tachesis but, you know <laughs> <And> the <Gully Dwarfs. laughs> yeah Travis, let's hear what, what do you uh what do you want hope oh oh you my, sorry you, my we thought i i know i've already kind of thought but you know my further thoughts on what's going to happen is that at some point, Raceland, Sturm, Tass, and Destina are going to have to go and fix the timeline. And they'll probably think they will, but there will be a twist. There's always some twist, and chaos is the twist, of course. And my prediction, and I very well could be wrong on this too, is that it'll end to where, yeah, there's a Dragonlance timeline, but there's several Dragonlance timelines all existing at once. And so you'll have one timeline that is um, the Weiss and Hickman novels. Another that is the novels as they previously were, um, you know, prior to 5th edition. Uh, another that is Watsy's own timeline to play in. And another that is your timeline, <laughs> you know. it's I, I see all of these things happening. And I don't know if that would happen. I don't know if it would be too complicated to explain but um i don't know as interesting as i as i do i do really find this timeline very interesting and i would i would love to play in it i would love to read more about it i i do hope they manage to somehow not delete everything that came before you know that's another question i mean this is something that will this is something chuck and i have talked about i mean would would how would we feel if we've we've gone through this experience of these three novels and then when when it's over everything is just sort of back to the way it was? Is that what we want? Do we want this time travel shenanigans to really like impact the classic Dragonlance setting? If I, I would like for there to be I would Go like ahead, there to be some sort of change, but not one that cancels everything out. Like, you know, something subtle or not so subtle. You know, that, that doesn't erase the Fifth Age. It doesn't erase the Chaos War. It doesn't erase the War of Souls and all the stuff that happened. But some kind of difference um, to the world. That that would be my ideal um, bow to put on this story, is aspects of this timeline exist somehow. So, like with Weiss and Hickman Dragonlance novels, typically they're always big events. And... I don't quite feel like this has hit that level quite yet. Um, but typically at the end, the world has changed somehow, some way. Uh, you know, we see it in with uh, Chronicles and with uh, Summer Flame, War of Souls. Um, Dark Disciple. Something will change. Now, Weiss and Hickman, yes, Dark Disciple, and which is just Weiss, but anyway. 
with um, where was I going with this? You're talking about how Weiss and Hickman they their novels oh. cause big changes to the world. War of Souls. So we can make a comparison to War of Souls here. In that bit where they were trying to uh, reconcile some things and bring fandoms of the Fourth Age and the Fifth Age back together as just Dragonlance fans, um, they had every opportunity to just fix the timeline and say the Fifth Age didn't happen. But that would have been a cheap out, and uh, they didn't do that. They respected the work of everybody who came before, and they progressed the timeline forward, and then they made the change of no Paladine, no Takesis. So they very well may do that again, but circumstances are a little different this time. Back then, Watsi had a book department, and they I'm certain that Weiss and Hickman were under um, direction to not take out the fifth age because it had been it had not been too long since uh the fifth age products Mm -hmm. so you know you could tick off a lot of dragonlance fans that way but now it's 20 years later and quite honestly in fandom i don't hear very many people talking about the fifth age anymore just john Uh, (laughs) yeah yeah i i just i I could see that there's an opportunity here to do that, but my hope is that they'll kind of separate timelines out to where, yeah, one is the main timeline that we know and, and, you know, it still respects that author, those, all, all those authors and game designers works, but, uh, the new timeline is going to be Weiss and Hickman's playground. They could uh, they could end it with like you know the gray gem explodes as it explodes it creates a multitude of timelines and one is like you know the second edition timeline one is the fifth edition one is the third edition one has the age of mortals one doesn't one is you know the Weiss and Hickman novels one is Richard Knack novels one is and then each each individual DM's ta- or each individual table has their own timeline I I feel like that would be something sort of exactly. Uh, a, a certain kind of, I mean, there, there's a, cer- some people like their canon, you know, ABC, straightforward. Some people are more, are, are sort of willing to just kind of go with whatever comes along. And I, I kind of feel like something like that would be an interesting narrative device to explain why my fifth edition game doesn't line up with third edition lore, for example. And I don't have to rack my brain trying to make all these round uh, square pegs fit into round holes because uh, Margaret and Tracy have kind of given us permission to be like, it's okay to, it's, it's okay to play this world, explore this world the way that you want. Everything is, everything is equally accessible in this new world. I mean, maybe, I mean, that's just, I think that would be neat. Yeah. Whether that's, that's something, uh, a step that they want to take. I don't know. Well, then, I got a question for you, buddy. So for decades, you have worked on your timeline. You have worked on explaining away inconsistencies. If Weiss and Hickman made a move like this to where there are several timelines, uh, is that going to make your head explode? No, because my head's already exploded. (laughs) 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 I've already like gone through that phase of like ripping my hair out and stuff like that. And 
I'm I'm already at the, you know the phase of understanding the books that we read are you know just read are a different timeline compared to next and you know there are probably three or four different timelines running around um you know chuck and i had previously previously talked about the idea that um when first edition you know when the AD&D modules came out you know deal one through 16 they might actually be a different timeline compared to the chronicle novels um, and when Dragonlance Adventures came out, it had a timeline that, you know, in my opinion, had a lot of gaping holes in it. Like, you know, the second Dragon War was, you know, human's time and stuff like that. And and Chuck actually, you know, paved the way of saying, look, what if they're all different timelines? And we, you're kind of mixing all the timelines into one, but really they were all different. And in absorbing that, it's like, yeah. You know, Kaz and Huma could be a completely but legitimate timeline that we love to follow because his books were really, really good. And that doesn't demean anyone else's novels that might be completely different, like Margaret or Tracy's. If I was able to finish my saying, I hope that fandom will be open to the idea that there could be many different types of, of Dragonlance campaigns they can be a part of the gaming world and they can make any Dragonlance game they want and, and screw if it's not canon or if, like not the novels. Have fun. Do what you want. Yeah. Um, I think that's a good point to start heading towards wrapping up. I want to ask if anyone has any uh, further thoughts they would like to, any, just any, any stray thoughts that we didn't get to discuss that you'd like to, that you'd like to bring up um, before we say goodbye. Uh, Trampus. One thing we kind of skipped over that was um, a bit jarring for me was Silver Dragon Mountain um, because they kept referring to it as Silver Dragon Mountain throughout this book. But really, that mountain, the whole, um, you know, carving out the image of uh, the Silver Dragon, that was in honor of the Silver Dragon of uh, Humus timeline. And so I don't think they'd be calling it Silver Dragon Mountain at that point. Maybe some other name, sure. But it, that just seemed a little weird to me. Uh, John, do you have any final thoughts? Uh, no, I enjoyed the book. You know, like I said, if, if, if you are a fan of Nax's work, just go into this book with no expectations of what you're going to read because, like, probably like me, you, you will come off with disappointed at first. Um, just Marathus as a story on its own, um, and it becomes much more enjoyable um, when you don't sit there and, and compare every missing detail uh, because you will drive yourself crazy doing so. So just enjoy it for what it is. Um, and if you are of, of that mindset where it's not the same, like Weldon said, go back and read it again. Reread it with uh, with a more open mind and uh, you'll you'll get a lot more of enjoyment out of it and well then any last thoughts um my last thoughts were just a continuation of the spiel i just gave um <laughs> during this entire conversation we just presented a whole new different ideas that could be fun um based on the fact that there's this book um we talked about how the draconians could be a long-lived you know integrated race you know, because they could have been made thousand uh, thousand years early. 
we talked about, you know, how there's just where's Kaz, you know, could Kaz actually have been, you know, in this timeline, the one who, you know, helped make the Dragonlances, you know, he's much more involved in this timeline, but you don't hear it because Huma and Gwyneth are doing their own thing, you know, and, and a part of me thinks that's what makes all of this fun. I mean, if there are any weird gaps that you're going to see, don't hang up, get hung up at that there are these gaps or there are these weird things. I, I think find, have fun finding an explanation. You know, that's part of the fun of being involved as a fan. If there is something really weird, you know, be a part of it and try to come up with your own fun explanation of how it comes, how, how it could come about, how to explain it. And that you can never go wrong that way because you'd always be involved in looking at the, all the nuances of Dragon. And yeah, that's the fun of it all. My uh, my sort of final thought, which is something that's been sort of like coming, uh, I, I I think you'll all agree with with me about this. It's it's always easier to talk about things that we didn't like in a book, um, but it doesn't mean that we didn't like the book. I certainly enjoyed reading it. And I think that you all agree with me that it's one that we'd all recommend to Dragonlance it, fans. Um, it, it's very good. You know, just don't get caught up in the details. Go along for the ride and you're going to yeah. have a blast. Yeah. If you just just read it for for fun and enjoyment. And like like Weldon was talking about, if you want to read it once to sort of if you want to do a critical reading once to be like, oh, it's this is different. This is different. I don't like this. I, I do like this. And then you can do a reading just to be like. You know, why don't I just read it just to let the story lead me along? Um, I think it's, I mean, who who would have thought a few years ago that it would be 2023 and we'd be talking about new Dragonlance novels? Um, right. <laughs> <laughs> I think that we're very fortunate to be getting new Dragonlance novels. We're very fortunate that Margaret and Tracy are continuing their work and that we get to enjoy it and that they're still um, active within the community and active within this world. And um, I think that it is, it continues to be a great time to be a Dragonlance fan. And I hope that everybody listening feels, uh, feels part of something truly wonderful and special and that you'll keep following us on, or you'll keep, uh, you know, joining our Facebook group, the other Facebook groups, keep interacting with other Dragonlance fans and, and keep playing Dragonlance games, producing Dragonlance content for DM skills or for streaming or just for your own friends, we can help keep Dragonlance going on into the future. And who knows what the 2024 Dungeons and Dragons is going to bring, you know, maybe there'll be more Dragonlance in the future or materials that can work well with Dragonlance. And I think we should all well, be very excited for what, what what's to come next year. See here, here's something that happens. Dragonlance is 10 years younger than D&D. So every time D&D has a major birthday, Dragonlance doesn't get too much of a mention because it kind of gets overlooked. However, next year, D&D's 50th anniversary, which is quite impressive, which means it's Dragonlance's 40th anniversary. That's huge. Yeah, we can all have a we should have a 40th anniversary gala for Dragonlance or create a 40th anniversary, you know, uh, pro- product or project or something for for 40 years. 
Well, maybe if you would like to come hang out with those of us in the Dragonlance Nexus, some of us will be at GaryCon celebrating Dragonlance's 40th anniversary. Um, I believe the plan is to have a a panel or two, um, as well as uh, I know Chuck is running some games. So um, if if anybody out there would like to come and uh, hang out. When is is GaryCon? Give us a shout out for when it is. Uh, Gary Con, I don't have the exact. I think it's right March twenty first through twenty fourth, somewhere around there. And that's in uh, where is it? It's in uh, Wisconsin, Lake, right? Yeah, Lake, Lake Geneva, Wisconsin. Oh, Lake, Lake Geneva. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. Where, which is a really cool town. Um, there, there's a lot of, uh, not enough, but a lot of love for for Gary Gygax and D and D. Um, in the town, there's an actual D and D museum there. There, there's a lot of old historical relics that pertain to D&D. Like you can take a tour through Gary Gygax's house that he lived in when he created and wrote D&D. Uh, you can rent it out for an exorbitant amount of money and play games <laughs> there. Um, it's, it's a lot of fun. It is a lot of fun. Yeah, and Gary Khan is one of the big driving forces behind it is uh, one of um, Gary Gygax's son, Luke Gygax, who uh, is just a swell guy, and you know he has a lot of love for his father and is trying to continue on that legacy. And Gary, Con- I've never been, but man, it's going to be a blast. Yeah, and well, yeah, uh... you, can, you can find all kinds of super old games, um, all the way up to you know the newest version of your favorite games. So um, there's a whole room dedicated to the classic war games and board games where they have giant tables set up with armies and miniatures um and it is it is awesome it is awesome all right well thank you all for chatting with me thank you everybody listening for listening how should we sign off long live the lance step into the nexus my friends the portal to (laughs) adventure awaits